Hi, this is Jason Gibson, and we're back with uh, ServerSharp. I'm here with Randy Haas, uh, all-around all guru and leadership coach. Uh, Randy? Yeah, so uh, welcome back. It's been a little bit since we had one. Apologize for that, but, uh, you know, life gets busy and, and everything. We've all been traveling some, um, but uh, excited to bring another episode. I do want to say that we're not affiliated with ServiceNow officially in any way. So, like, this is just our opinions, but most of the time they're right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Well, and we're going to be talking about what is required to be successful with ServiceNow. Uh, this is a series of uh, three separate podcasts that we're going to be doing. Uh, the first one, we're going to be talking about uh, vision uh, and uh, leadership. These are two really important things in ServiceNow, and uh, I think it's it, doing these things that we are going to discuss in this series are really important to get right. So uh, without further delay, uh, I guess let's start with vision. Okay. Uh, Randy? Yeah, I think that, you know, the first one that we talk about is probably really just fundamental to any project anywhere, not just ServiceNow, but since this is a ServiceNow project, we're going to be talking about it in the context of ServiceNow. But uh, one of the most important things, you know, for any project is to have a vision of, you know, a direction. Where do you want to go? You've got to have an endpoint, you know, goalpost in mind in order to score. Yeah, right. I mean, why ServiceNow, right? I mean, you just spent a bunch of money to buy service now you need to kind of have an idea of 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 why you bought it and where you want to go right right and there could be you know a few different reasons people have purchased service now because of how big it is now um i think and correct me if i'm wrong a lot of companies get into it uh, initially around help desk and service desk uh, right. Yeah. And they moved kind of into other areas of IT operations management or IT service management, including change and and um, problem and uh, things like that. <clears throat> but it could be that uh, companies are purchasing it now uh, for the HR module or for the you know project module. Right. Yeah. I mean, which are which are all great reasons. We love you know anybody, no matter what they're doing in service now. Uh, we love you. We we want you to be successful. I will tell you though, in my opinion, I think a lot of people start with the ITSM stuff, with the service desk uh, stuff, and then and and they don't have that why or that vision past that. They they stop there, and 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 I think it seems very short-sighted and and so I kind of see a lot of people following in falling into that kind of bad place you know yeah I think that um, I've seen a lot of companies where we go in and they have a hodgepodge of systems put together uh, that ServiceNow could support a lot of the different systems and uh, for whatever reason maybe it's they're entrenched in the other systems or maybe it's they didn't have a good vendor that uh, was confident enough to to go in and build the product for them, or they were told, "Hey, it's not possible," or it's possible that they were member that they had ServiceNow before ServiceNow had it as an as a native feature. Uh, because right. you, know, the, you know, one thing we talk about all the time is that they do a major release every so often, uh, or every six months, and so um, new features come out all the time. And if you're not kind of refreshing your vision, I would say 
then you may be missing out on on some savings, on, on some efficiency. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's really important is, uh, you know, get started with a roadmap. Get a, a good quality. Start with what you're currently doing and start talking about vision, which leads us to the next thing. You know, we talk about the vision, but the vision has to come with from leadership has to come from a commitment from the CIO down, from whoever your top technology leader is. Um, because if you don't have that, you're going to get, um, you're going to get a short sighted vision. Um, and if they don't understand what service house capable of or does, then that's, that's another, another problem I see happen. The CEO or the executives, they don't even understand what ServiceNow is, they start with, oh, well, we bought this because some other company we know has this and, it, and, and they use it for their service desk, but they don't have any idea what the additional capabilities are or why they even have it, right? Right. Well, and I, you know, I got to give them credit. It, it, ServiceNow is hard to explain, I think, to, to people because it is so big I and mean, you can't just say... You know, people ask you what's Exchange or Office 365, and in Exchange you can easily say, well, it's email, SharePoint's, you know, collaboration and file sharing. Although SharePoint's a little bit harder to define, Office 365 is a little bit harder to define. But you can either, you know, I mean, <clears throat> there's really two main purposes for for Office 365. People get into it, and that's email, and uh, for the apps, for the Office applications. Um, where ServiceNow is is huge, and and there's a lot of stuff, and not only is there a lot of stuff that they deliver, but it has the framework behind it where you can build whatever you want really within it. Um, and so, um, so I give them a little bit of credit when they when they don't know what it is, um, but that doesn't excuse needing to dig in and and finding out what it's capable of, especially as part of a. a periodic technology review. I think one thing that every company should be doing all the time uh, is a, is a periodic technology review where you go through and you check uh, to see, do we still need all these software pieces that we're running? Uh, or is there a way for us to consolidate down? Uh, because anytime you can consolidate down, you, you reduce the amount of money you're going to spend on licensing for these products. Uh, you reduce the overhead, you reduce the support needed and you free up your people to be able to do, uh, better things than what you have. I mean, because I think what's ideal is not to just support the software that you have, but to be able to take advantage of the software you have, be able to take full advantage of it. So we're not just answering help desk calls and we're not logging, just logging tickets, but we're managing problems so we're not seeing the same thing happen over and over. We're implementing effective change control so that um, – you know, we're not taking the, the system down at a critical time or we're not having two changes collide with each other that causes a catastrophic failure, mm -hmm. um, that we're, you know, doing our reviews and documenting things, that we're managing our assets and things aren't just walking out the door and we're not no noticing it or licenses aren't running out and we don't have a clue that that's happening, you know. Uh, right. No one wants to be audited. So, you know, all of these things that you can um, kind of do, I think it's, it's important to, you know, to, to – develop that goal, that, that vision, and then periodically revisit it. Absolutely. And one of the things that I see people do a lot is, you know, we have, uh, we, we, they don't understand the exponential value of things. So yes, it's important to do CMDB, right? We got to, we got to know what we have, what we own, right? We got to know how many servers we've got. We got to know those pieces, pieces of information. 
but what they don't understand is exponential but the uh, you know the the additional value it's it's uh exponential when you're talking about okay now we've got that in there so now we have that piece in there and we can tie it to these incidents or changes or we can tie it over to these problems or this incident so there's the, it, there is an exponential effect every time something is put in service now that people just um, they don't really understand. It's like, well, I can grab that information. Uh, I was asked to do something the other day. It was kind of funny. One of our clients says to me, uh, one of my clients says to me, Hey, I want to do this. And I said, well, you have to, own, you know, in order to get that done, you have to own ITOM. They said, well, I want to be able to show this dashboard that shows all the systems and whether they're up and down. I said, well, wait a second, that's, you know, this is, this is something that comes with ITOM, you, you know, and they said, no, we don't want to buy ITOM. We just want you to build it. And I said, well, but I don't have the data. The data comes from discovery. The data comes from bringing in the data. If I don't have the data, I can't build it. Right. But it comes back to not understanding what you have mm -hmm. and, and what the potential to move forward is. You want things that's great, but let's look at what we have and where we want to go and build a really good roadmap to get there um, and, and not try and, you know, how many times we see people build custom stuff when they should not be doing that, right? Yeah. And then uh, the opposite side of that, they put something somewhere else when they could reduce their dev time by 30, 40, 50, 60%. I mean, um, to build it in service now. So, you know, there's a balance and you have to understand service now yeah. in order to know where that balance is. Well, I think it's important that, um, you know, for that reason, it's important that you engage with someone if you don't have the knowledge in-house. Engage with someone that knows service now, knows what all the modules are capable of, knows um, how things interact and, and, you know, can see these things up front and say, you know, this is a waste of time to go down this path because it's built in right here on this path. And also to engage with your sales, your sales reps um, and ask them questions. I mean, really dig in when you're talking to the sales rep about what does this license mean? What does this license mean? What does this capability mean? Why do I need this? You know, I mean, don't be afraid to dig in and they're going to hate me for saying this, but to dig in and get really informed about what you want. And yeah. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, a roadmap is a road, it's not a wish list. You know, I mean, if I go out and I say, you know, I want to, I want to see the, the, the Washington Monument and I want to see the Statue of Liberty and I want to see um, 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 the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Those, that's a wish list, right? A roadmap mm -hmm. is... I'm going to get on the road and I'm going to drive to San Francisco and then I'm going to turn around and go all the way back across the country. You know, wait, that's inefficient. Why don't I start on the East coast, you know, and then work my way back. And then let me look at the map and see what other destinations I'm going to go by along the way, you know, maybe, right. you know, and that's the difference between a wish list and a roadmap. And so oftentimes I see it people, sit down and executive sit down and say, here's our roadmap. And it's a wish list. It's not a roadmap. <laughs> it's just, yeah. we would like to have these things, not a, we need to have this because it enables this, because it enables this, because it enables this, which is kind of right. what That's what a roadmap is. You got to think functionality for me. to have and then right. figure out what stops there are along the way.
Right. And I think the roadmap breaks it down. I mean, how, where are we at and how do we get there? It's not just, you know, a wish list of things that we want and here's our roadmap. It's, it's here, here's why we need to get to these places and here's how we're going to do it. And I, I once said somebody, somebody says to me uh, not long ago, uh, they showed me a list of goals and said, this is our roadmap. And I said, no, that's a list of goals. They said, well, that's a roadmap. And I said, no, that's a list of goals. <laughs> they said, well, uh, no, I, we, we, this is what we use for our roadmap. I said, well, how are you going to get there? Right. Well, no, you, you've got to know step by step how you actually have to get there. And I think it's we, we are short-sighted sometimes just because it takes a lot of effort. Um, and, yeah. and I think breaking it down, though, what do you think the responsibility – you know, from the executive leadership should be um, versus the, the, and I want to go over all three, but versus the management and versus like the architect. So uh, as far as the executive concern, what do you think his responsibility or level of responsibility is for knowing these things? Well, I think the executive needs to know not necessarily the, what the tool is, but it needs to know what the operational impact is you know so the the executive needs to needs to set the the strategy that and and make it a strategy that's very clear to the IT group um, as far as this is what I want to see and this is how I'm going to know when I see it you know what I mean so right right from the executive side it can be I want customer satisfaction to go up um, you know 150 percent right um, right so then going down to the management level of that, they need to take that and go, well, what kind of things can we do to increase customer satisfaction? Well, if you're in IT, the one of the things you can do is improve quality control, improve uptime, improve first call resolution, uh, reduce the recurrence of problems. Uh, those are the four things that you can do to, to increase customer satisfaction. And not forget, you know, the fifth thing is when you do have a problem that you can't fix, just not forgetting that the customer's there uh, and being right. able to continually make touch points with them. So I think that then the management defines, all right, well, th that's what I want, what we need to do. We need to reduce our, you know, increase our first call resolution. We need to reduce the recurrence of problems. We need to increase uptime. And then they evaluate the tools along with their technical team and uh, select service now. And then the, the team lead, the architect, I think from my perspective, their their job is, to interpret this is what the capabilities are. You know, if you want to reduce um, downtime, then you need to implement change management. And right, right, exactly. And you need to implement the process of change management so that we can put it into the tool that controls change management. Right, and the process uh, needs to be good, but it right. needs to be based on the things that are, that ServiceNow is based on, right? It can't be, I mean, it needs to have some basis in ITIL, right? To, to it can't be just some random process you've made up that we're trying to fit into it. Right? We want to try and keep as much out of the box. So you got to work with right. the architect to figure out what is what the capabilities are. I think. I mean, it's possible to to put it together with uh, any other number of of different processes rather than ITIL. But I mean, you know, it's that old saying that everything's possible with time and money, and and that time and money is what you don't have all the, uh, an abundance of. Right. And so, yes, 
the most practical, the best way to do it is to stay as close to out of the box. And that means learning some ITO. And I think, and then, you know, that kind of helps push the responsibility goes back up the chain where, where the architect and the management agree on a software package. And this is what we're going to do. And then they talk about, this is what, from a leadership perspective has to go into place in order for this to even work. Well, then the, you know, executive leadership needs to then accept that and say, yes, we need to implement a change process. Yes, we need to implement uh, incident response with SLAs and problem solving. Um, and we're committed to doing that. We're going to, to enforce these processes uh, being built before we expect the results out of the tool. Um, and I think that chain going back at, you know, driving the, this is what has to happen for the company down. And then as it goes down the chain, making the discovery of this is the product, this is the software, this is the tool and the processes that can support that. And then once that goes back up for approval, getting the commitment to go ahead and say, yes, we're going to do, um, we're going to do this process. We're going to do these things. Right. Now, uh, Randy, I hate to cut you, cut us off here, but let's go ahead and take a quick uh, break and uh, listen to one of our sponsors real quick. And we'll be back in just a minute with uh, some more wisdom uh, for, uh, from Randy. So hang on just a minute. Okay. So we are back with Service Sharp. Sorry for the quick break, but hey, we got to pay the bills. So um, we were talking about uh, the leadership, um, commitment, vision, all the wonderful things that uh, we need to uh, have to be successful with ServiceNow. Um, we, Randy, we were discussing one of the things is, that is near and dear to my heart is, you know, what the responsibilities for leadership is. You know, one of the things that I think that is that I would say – I'm a little different in the fact that I think of the executive leadership, yes, they need to set the big, big picture directions and things to that effect. Um, but it wouldn't hurt to know what, what they own, right? I think they, they need to know, you know, here's what we've actually paid for. And I think that it's up to the management to, to go through and explain to them, you know, what we've purchased, what we own. Um, now, as far as expanding out, the the next phase and and the roadmap stuff yeah that's a management thing um but i think the management has a responsibility to know a little bit about the platform and randy you're a perfect example you you got service now handed to you you didn't know a lot about it you went out and you went and spent time with me and other people to really get your hands around it and found out you loved it. Well, yeah, I did that at the management level though, not at the executive management level. No. So, um, I do agree with you that they need to know what they've purchased, but I think that, um, I think that probably it's un, a little bit unreasonable probably to ask them to know very much about the software because you know they've got all this other stuff running through and really they need to know enough to know whether they trust you with the decision or not you know what right. i mean so right. um, I, I think you're right i think that, that the responsibility to do that kind of understanding the tool you know what is management I, I agree there i think you're right um 
do the it. architect, on the other hand, is the guy that you have to be able to trust, right? Right. Yeah, yeah I think it's executives. I think it's an executive um, folly to second guess the experts that you hire to do things for you. Um, right. You know, and I, I understand that it's it's a it's hard to trust people to you know uh, do things to your baby, your company, or whatever. Um, but you've got to do that. I mean, that's you know, if you opened a company that um, could be run by one person, then it would be run by one person, and it would make profits uh, concurrent to that. But you know, if you make a company that's run by you know, 200, 300 people, well, then the profits go up, you know, commensurate to that. But so does the responsibility to trust uh, the people that you hire as well. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the one of the better examples is going to be Chick-fil-A, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've decided to push down authority all the way down to the guy standing behind the cash register. You know, the, if something's messed up, they can, they can turn around and say, you know, your, your meal's free. And, and this is a, a lot of times a, a young kid that's in high school. Right. Um, but because they've done that, they've been able to move faster to make their customers happy. And, and I think that's where we all want to be, right? We want to, we want to make sure our customers are taken care of or we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've been listening to a lot of John Maxwell and, and some others lately. And one of the things that he says in, in one of his books is that, uh, and I, he repeats it in several of them, but is that, you know, decisions should be made as close to where the action is as possible, you know. And, uh, you know, I think that that's true. And that's why it's so important for the executives to spend their time making sure they're setting the vision um and the and the and the strategy in such a way that it's going down to the to everybody you know if chick-fil-a you know if they didn't emphasize in their training that the customer uh you know our philosophy is you do whatever it takes to make it right for the customer then it doesn't do them any good to empower their people right and so they've done two things they've empowered their people and said um you can make it right. You do whatever it takes to make it right, and we'll back it up. And here's why. Because the customer's experience is the most important thing to us. We want the customer to have a good experience over the profit for any one particular meal. And, um, and so since that's drilled into them, they regularly make those decisions. And, um, you know, in private, they might get a review that says, yeah, you know, we probably you're probably giving away too many free sandwiches or something like that. But um, you know, all in all, we're, we're glad that you're doing this. But maybe you know, think back a little bit on it, and see, maybe you can give a coupon for an ice cream cone or something that costs less. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and I don't know the inner workings of Chick Fil A, so that's just a guess. But I, you know, it's a principle that's been used in other places as well. I think it was the, the Hilton hotels uh, used to be famous. Um, for uh, for everybody being able to make it right for the customer from top to bottom, uh, I'm not sure that that's still their current practice because I, rec- <laughs> right, yeah. I recently had a not so pleasant experience dealing with customer service with with them, and um, you know it was one of those things where um, I'm pretty sure that if an executive had been on the phone, their philosophy would have hopefully been 
I want the customer that's been with us for 20 years or 25 years to stay with us for another 20 years worth of travel right. rather than uh, enforcing this one, this one issue, you know? Right. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have the, we all have those experiences. And I think there's a lot of companies right now trying to move towards that kind of philosophy. Um, I know that I was talking to um, a company that their new CIO is, or um, VP slash acting CIO. I'm not even sure his, real, his, his title at this point, but he, uh, He's trying to, uh, he's actually not from IT. He's from the business side of, of things. And they're trying to align their business side with their IT side. So they brought in somebody from the business side. And his philosophy is we're going to reduce the number of management, the levels of management. And we're going to trust our, our um, we're going to trust the, the people that are actually our uh, experts that we're hiring. Right. And, you know, as working with that organization, uh, what I'm seeing is that is that that is the philosophy at the top, but it's not actually what's going on in middle management necessarily. So there's a there's a cultural change that is trying to go on that is very difficult to, to pull off. Right. And, you know, I hope they do it. I think it would be a wonderful thing, but the leadership has to stay diligent at making people do what they're wanting them to do. Yeah. I mean, the bigger the ship, the harder it is to turn it, you know? Um, and so you got to kind of take that into account. Um, yeah. but, uh, but it's great that they're thinking that way, right? Yeah, it's great that they're thinking that way. Change is very difficult. You got to get buy-in, and you've got to re-get buy-in. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes I see with companies is that they have a kickoff hoorah meeting where everybody's super excited about a new product or a new development or a new way of doing things. And you know, someone makes a really inspiring speech, which you know really gets kind of everybody riled up. But then it's not carried afterwards. It's just you know, day to day goes back to being normal and, and nothing's really changing at the middle management level. You're not really, um, you're not really, uh, uh, gen um, sorry, you're not really generating that feeling going forward. So um, the mistake is you can't just say we're going to change and then it's done. You got to keep being engaged. You got to keep casting that vision. You have to keep correcting keep, the direction, right? And keep managing it, right? Keep, right. keep, keep. Uh, you know, they say you if it, if you can't uh, if if you can't measure it, you know, then you can't track it. it you know, that, so you got to find a way to measure that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is, Randy. I mean, if you know any tricks, I'd love it. But you got to be able to somehow measure whether you're being successful in getting people to, um, you know, move forward as far as, you know, trusting the, the, the architects and the, 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 the uh, people that are actually the experts that you've hired. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know. It's different for every company. I think that, you know, everything we've talked about tonight is, um, you know, I mean, people are going to listen and they're going to go, yeah, that's, everybody says that that's common sense, you know, vision, where do we want to go, roadmaps, uh, getting commitment and everything like that. But the fact is common sense 
just because it may be common knowledge doesn't mean people are doing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, some of the problem comes from everybody being convinced that they are, you know, we are making those changes. We are doing that. And, and maybe because there's not a metric that can disprove. Um, I've been reading a book called The Lean Startup. And uh, one of the things that uh, the guy talks about is vanity metrics. And uh, the vanity metric is where you, you're basically looking at the wrong thing to determine whether you're successful or not, you know? Right. Um, maybe you're looking at, uh, in his case, he's talking about maybe you're looking at the number of people who visit your website uh, when you should be looking at the number of people who buy your services. You know what I mean? And, right, uh, right. You know, if it were a popularity contest and that's how you made money, well, then website visits would be great. But how you make money is people signing up for the product or whatever. And, you know, so I think that it's hard because we live in a results-oriented environment and we have this, um, you know, interestingly um, shifting, I think, American ideal of, of hard work Um it, you know, equals success um, that's kind of shifting into the uh, away from just hard work is my purpose to I need a purpose to do hard work, you know, with the next generation. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, you know, people are, I think, not necessarily being able to jump on that change. Yeah. Um, it's uh, hard. Sometimes it's, I mean, sometimes that's why you need um, an extra, an extra set of eyes. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because you say that, and and I one of the my favorite things, you know, is is I like I love reading about you know different organizations and leadership and things to that effect, and 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 one of the things they talk about is as far as getting the most out of people is is giving them a why. Um, you know, that is important though. I mean, don't as a, as, as a, as the executive, as the, the upper end leadership, um, I think even in the management, you know, giving clear whys are extremely important. Uh, it's not just go do this. It's, it's, we're trying to, you know, I, obviously not all companies are in the medical industry, but we're trying to save lives or we're trying to, to um, grow the company 20% this year. So we can, you know, blank there, give a, a reason why, and it tends to motivate people quite a bit more. Yeah. But that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's an interesting quote that I, I read about uh, getting your act together is the hardest thing that you can do because, you know, it's really hard to admit that you're the one that's been holding you back. And uh, I think right. that that's, uh, you know, that's a downfall maybe of the scene uh, of leadership from time to time is just, uh, you know, it's, you, you got to be willing to, let someone be brutal with you in order to, to really grow and, and move forward with things. But I, I think part of that is, is having a good mentor, having, having somebody that will, you know, executives need mentors, executive needs coaching. They need, um, but whether you're a team lead, an architect, a manager, an executive, you all, every, we all need mentors. We all need coaches, people that will tell us, what we need to do to improve and get better because not everybody's going to be honest with you. And if you have a good mentor or two, 
or three, then you're going to be better off having that. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I remember reading about, you know, the, the great, the, some of the best business leaders of all time have all talked about who their mentor was or who their, uh, the person that they patterned themselves after or that they went to for advice or influence. And everybody has that, um, that, uh, you know, that pattern of, um, uh, needing some outside eyes from time to time, no matter who you are. And it doesn't have to be someone who's better at your particular industry than you. It just needs to be someone that you can trust who will ask you honest questions and give you honest feedback and help you uh, hold you accountable to pushing forward in your journey. Absolutely. So we kind of got off in a little bit of a, uh, uh, in more on the leadership side. I love it. Um, the service now side. So, one of the things that we need to understand is commitment. We have to have commitment from everybody involved, from the executive leadership down. We don't have to have, you know, uh, they, you know, as Randy said earlier, we don't have to have a ton of knowledge about service now on the executive side. They just have to give a good vision. They need to give a good direction. On the management side, I think it's important to understand that you have to know what the capabilities are you don't necessarily have to be able to do the development but you need to understand that it's possible to do these things um and you have to trust your your team leader your architect the person that you hire that is your expert to be able to give you the correct amount of information and uh to 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 really trust in them uh or if you don't trust them find somebody else let them go yeah. Go get somebody else. I mean, it is it is not going to do anybody any good uh, any other way. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that, you know, going back to the management, one of the important things is maybe not necessarily know the capabilities of ServiceNow, but know that you need to constantly be asking what are the capabilities. Yeah, you know, and know where your know where your gap is, right? Right. Yeah. Anytime that you know somebody comes up with a new, we need to do this. You know, run it by your team. Ask them. Can we? Do, you know, before you do, uh, and and not just service now, but any software that you currently own. Before you start looking at new software, um, take the step back to do the due diligence on the stuff you currently own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and. I'll be honest. I think management, I think leaders should go to knowledge. I think if you don't go to knowledge, you're missing something that you could really help you move your organization forward. Um, And I think that's really important. And what do you think about that? You think management should be, uh, should go to knowledge? I mean, I think that, um, I think knowledge is a great place to to get a lot of experience and to really have your eyes opened. I know that when I first became involved with ServiceNow, that it was critical for me to, um, and, and uh, me and the person that I put in charge of the team, um, to understand and to go to knowledge and to really jump in and uh, do some learning. You know, we had an expert that joined the team whenever the team was moved to, to the area, but... Um, you know, I didn't have a context to know what the expert was saying. And so, yeah, I think it's important to go. I think that 
um, let's be honest, if you've got service now in your environment, then your company's made a significant investment because it's not cheap. You don't buy it at the dollar store, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important to, to take the time to, uh, to get out there and to, to know it. If not knowledge, at least go to, um, a snug meeting where you're at or a, um, they have local, uh, you know, they have regional, tra uh, not trade shows, but regional mini conferences. I don't even know what to call them, but, you know, I know that there's one or two that I've been to in, uh, in Dallas um, before. Uh, that's, uh, you know, not, not a knowledge, but still a, a lot of information. Right. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, I think this is a good conversation. Um, we're going to have to cut it for this particular podcast. I think we could probably go on for, for another couple of days on this topic alone. But if you have any questions about this topic or you want some guidance on this kind of stuff, um, email email addresses, you know, are on the podcast. And um, Randy's got all that all that stuff handled. So if you have any questions, just give us, a, give us an email. Um, Next uh, next podcast is going to be talking about empowerment. Um, what does that mean? And then enforcement. You know uh, who who and why. So um, tune in, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, to, to having a good uh, a good conversation with you uh, next week. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, the the email address is service sharp at uh, sharpstonegroup.com. Yeah. Um, and we'll have our LinkedIn contact information out there as well. But send us information, send us questions and stuff like that because, um, you know, we love talking about this, but we also have, uh, you know, would love to dive into some of your technical questions as well that you may have. You may have something going on with an implementation that you just want to discuss and or something that you did that was extremely successful that you want to share and we'd, we'd love to have you have you talk to us about it. So uh, start at sharpstonegroup.com. Love that stuff. Absolutely, guys. Thank All you, right. Randy. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.